White Sox, White Sox, go, 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 go. Call your sons, call your daughters. Holy cow. You can't put it on the board. Yes. Yes. It's a perfect game. Win Echo, Grand Slam. A White Sox winner and a world championship. Jimenez, he's your hero tonight. Thanks, Cubs. The dynamic duo of Herb Lawrence and Chris Tannehill. Those two are like a tag team, you know. Come with me to Southside of Chicago. Hi, this is Jim Tomey, and the best White Sox talk is on Locked On Sox Podcast with Tanny and Herb. Hello, and welcome back to Locked On Sox. My name is Herb Lawrence. You can follow me on Twitter if you want. It is Ecknerwall23 and Chris Tannehill. is at Chris Tannehill on Twitter, and our show is at Locked On Sox on Twitter, Instagram, and on YouTube. If you go there and subscribe, you might be a winner of a Locked On Socks prize pack, which consists of a shirt and a mug. So if you want to leave us a voice message, and especially after this weekend, woo, friends, 312-566-8727 is the number. 312-566-8727 is the way you leave a voicemail. And LockedOnSocks at gmail.com is the way that you leave an old school email. But without any further ado, it's Chris Tannehill. Chris, I don't even need to ask you. What's up? You know how I'm doing. Uh, episode 209 here today. Happy Monday, everyone. We're starting another week of White Sox baseball. I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing at this point, but we are brought to you today by Built Bar. Go to BuiltBar.com and use our promo code LOCKED15 and you'll get 15% off your next order. I'm waiting for my next order in the mail any day now. I'm looking forward to that. All right. Damn right. I ordered the ones uh, that are going to the score studio, too. That's right. This, we, this, this week, too. Yeah, we have an abundance of Built Bar riches. Herb is, is a good teammate, so he ordered a bunch for work. I ordered some for my, my personal studio here at home, and uh, things are looking looking good as far as the Built Bars go. We just need the team to catch up here a little bit and get up to par with the quality of the Built bar oh spitting bars all right so white Sox are well let's get back to saturday so you got rained out saturday i was thinking yeah. about you all day what'd you end up doing that herb had his first tickets for the first his first game of the year saturday then the game gets banged as they say in the industry so what'd you end up doing with yourself on saturday and how bummed were you absolutely nothing i didn't do anything i was very happy it got banged i woke up and my girlfriend courtney told me that they had canceled the game i was like perfect because i had woke up at like 4 30 earlier and i looked at the forecast <laughs> and i was like no there's no way absolutely no way they can play it because it was like 100 100 100 all until like seven o'clock at night i was like kansas city comes in two more times at least we don't need to rush this let's just bang this game before people depart early especially myself or people who are out of state driving kids and such before they get to the ballpark and have to wait there for hours so i was very happy that happened i just stayed at home it was a rainy day so the dog is go like plays really fast and then goes to sleep for like two hours and keeps on doing that throughout the day. So I try to keep up with the dog. So I did that all day long and just caught up with some sleep. Do you want to throw out a plug for your dog's Instagram page or no? Yeah, it's a uh, Ziggy seven seven three Corgi. There you go. Um, so on Saturday, I was you know I, I kind of saw the writing on the wall for that game, and I was just thinking about you and how I would have been upset. But no one wants to sit through bad weather. You know, you can wait. We've waited a calendar year to go to a baseball game, so you can wait a little while longer. So what's the like? Do, do you have first dibs then on that makeup day, or do you pick a different day, game or what? Well, they just credit my account. So since I'm a season ticket holder, <laughs> that just took out. Yeah, that just they just take out money from my account, like in this weird season. Okay. 
and I get to choose the seats I want. So they just put that money right back into the account and I could choose uh, the next series starts the next series that I can choose for. Um, it opens up, I think, this week. There's, you know, an open portal for people who want to choose all nine games in the next homestand. And there's ones like I want to do either one or two games in the next homestand. But this homestand, if I wanted to go to the Cleveland game, I can still do that if I really wanted to, but I don't. Yeah. Uh, well, on my Saturday, you know, I thought I was going to go out and get some exercise, but it was raining a lot by me. So I ended up watching the John Wayne Gacy documentary on the Peacock app. Uh, can oh, I wow. say Can I say app on the podcast? But uh, <laughs> it was a six-part John Wayne Gacy documentary, of course, the famous uh, – uh, mass murderer, uh, serial killer from uh, Northwest Side of Chicago. I'll say, didn't he live over there by you? Well, that's the eerie part. That's why I was so fascinated. Like it, it's literally like a five minute drive, a, a, a long walk from my house to the Gacy house, and then there was another house that's supposedly on Elston. It, check it out if you're in the serial killer docs. You know, it's more so like I don't have like this fetish of like glorifying these serial killers well after these crimes have been committed, but it's kind of interesting the way they talk about. Uh, the you know the Cook County Sheriff's Office and how they, they you know they are framing them as like they didn't want to find any more of these bodies so they kind of stopped the digging process like at these other locations across the city uh, so you know I, but that was about as uplifting uh, as watching the White Sox game was today so I don't know what bummed me out more Sox losers today uh, yesterday I should say four to three in ten innings Sox now four and five on the young season and it's never a good time when you lose to the Royals. But, uh, but it is what it is. You know, there are some good things that happen in this ball game. but let's talk about the bad. That's what we do. Let's get it out of the way. Um, where do you want to start here, Herb? Just the, this lack of timely hitting. I mean, there are good things going out this offense. They are walking a ton, but when you're missing guys like Eloy and you're missing TA still on the IL, like, and that lineup turns over, you got the guys at the bottom of the order getting on base and, and getting walks, but then you have Leori Garcia at the top. And he did have an RBI today, but mm-hmm. it's just, it's not aesthetically pleasing baseball to watch you got bad offense the defense is still not up to par and the bullpen which is supposed to be the strength has been anything but so far in the early going so where should we begin here by torching them after this loss yesterday well it's a constant theme with this team not having good at bats with the runners in scoring position so we're having a double lead off the inning with Luis robert awesome Jose Abreu has a decent at bat where he advances Luis Robert to third base, a productive out. I would love him to drive him in, but you know, if you're going to get it out, productive out, make the guy go to third. You're Mancada. I mean, when are we going to get into this? Really? He looks lost up at the plate and it's very unfortunate is hits a ball. I think pops up in the infield. It was just lackluster and then another ground ball. So the run does not score. And I think we had the same type of situation first and second. Um, the Kansas City pitcher gives us a, a a gift because he had a ball hit right back to him where he could have went to second and then went to first for a double play. But he went to first and it was a wild throw. So magical um, it makes the base. And I think his base is loaded then and we don't score. Uh, as you, the aforementioned, Lurie Garcia does not um, drive in the runs right there. This is a constant theme. Clutch hitting, hitting with runners in scoring position has to be better, has to be better for this team to do what we think it's going to do. So far, we've seen decent starting pitching. We've seen spells from the bullpen where they're dominant, especially when we get to uh, Michael Kopech. But we've had so many injuries. 
with Tim and Eloya back are gone, you have to come through more than often, more often than not when you have runners in scoring position and the White Sox have been failing time and time again and losing the Kansas City Royals. It hurts. This is a team that you should be beating all the time, especially when you take that lead into the ninth inning. Yeah, that's the first thing on my on my little note sheet here for today's game is what you said and how you said it too. The, the little things, runners in scoring position, uh, and then the mental lapses. Uh, Bummer in the eighth inning. He, he gives up the leadoff walk to Lopez, and of course we all know, everyone in the building knows that Lopez is going to try to steal second base, and he mm-hmm. does. And then, of course, you have the the Benintendi single driving him in, the, the basically the next at bat after he steals. You know, this stuff like that is a difference in a ball game. Um, you know, and then at the end of the game, you get to to the extra innings. You know, the the execution, it was it was horrendous. You know, that that tenth inning there, where you're spotted the runner on second base, and this team you would you would argue is is, is supposed to be built for these type of situations. You have Adam Eaton. To, to his credit, you know, he hit the home run earlier to, to sort of save the game. We thought it was, you know, we were getting ready to pop bottles here for the victory in the bottom of the eighth inning. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then he, Eaton, in his 10th uh, inning at bat... Eaton! Nobody liked you! He did not look good. You know, it's just his job is to get that runner over from second base with nobody out. And what does he do? Mm-hmm. He, he takes the strikeout looking. You know, yeah. it takes the high strikeout looking, and that's how they were pitching them that, that entire inning. And then you have Zach Collins coming up the next at bat just looking feeble with that runner on second base like I, I have little to no confidence right now in Zach Collins as a run producer like this is the, your, this that should be a, a, a layup for this team getting that runner over and in from second base like you have the dynamic lineup where you have versatile hitters but just la- bad execution you know, lack thereof and you know I don't know if it's not focusing or it's just bad luck or you know I don't know what it is but it doesn't instill confidence in me and then you have this Andrew Vaughn dilemma you know, mm-hmm. um, it's just Tony clearly is not sold on Andrew Vaughn, and that that's fine. It's like, who do you trust more, Tony LaRusso's scouting acumen or the White Sox front office? I'm not so sure about that right now. So I don't, I don't know. But he's not helping by not playing, and he started today. Um, you know, and then you know Tony pinch hits. Uh, you know, Yermin, uh, pinch ran for Yermin after that leadoff walk in the eighth and just could not get him in. That was a big spot there, you know, before the Eaton home run, obviously saves the day. But, you know, it just it shouldn't come down to Adam Eaton hitting a home run in the eighth inning. You know, it just it just there's, there's a lot of problems here. There's, you know, some good things, like I said, but like, you know, like you mentioned, the, the execution, first and foremost, hitters are hitting with runners in scoring position has to improve. And the Royals are supposed to be that's your opportunity to work on those things and to feel good about, about being up on a bad team because now you have the first place Indians coming in this week and we'll preview that series uh and you know in the next couple segments but it's just not good and it's not aesthetically pleasing and I was so angry after that one today I had to go out and do some angry yard work pulling pulling weeds and crabgrass and you know fixing the garage door like I had to get outside and get away for a little bit but yeah that game sucked man (laughs) I mean when you go one for 15 with runners in scoring position you deserve to lose to the Royals yes and I'm just so frustrated. Like, it's – I know it's – their guys are trying hard. I know that they're doing their best. But like you said, it's the process you're going through. Like, are we bunting with a left-handed hitter up? Are we trying to bunt with a left-handed hitter up where you could just swing away and get a productive out and hit the ball on the right side of the infield? You know, I – and the Andrew Vaughn thing, yeah, that – irritates the hell out of me because they've been selling us that and sending their people out and saying 
hey, this is a good player. This guy will hit at the major league level. It's nine games, but the kid doesn't look ready necessarily for major league pitching. He had good at bats today, though. And then you sit him out, and the result was good because they had a meet and pops one over the fence. But you want me to believe this kid's a good hitter, and I keep on seeing him, Nick Williams, getting starts for, over him, and Lurie Garcia getting starts over him. And then before that, Billy Hamilton getting starts over him. Like, tell me the truth. Send his kid back down to the alternate site and then down to the AAA and get him uh, all the hits and all the fucking at-bats that he needs to feel confident about himself. Because you're not playing him. Tony is not playing him consistently. Play this kid until the wheels fall off if you're going to be giving him the actual fair chance. And I think they did the same thing with Zach Collins, and that's why Zach Collins is stalled. Give him a little taste. And you'll see that he doesn't have it maybe after the first week or maybe after a couple at bats and then sit him down. This doesn't do these guys any good. Give them some confidence. Give them something that they can sink their teeth into. Give them a good chunks like, hey, these games are blocked out for Andrew Vaughn. All of them. He's our left fielder for this next month unless we're getting him a blow. That's it. But they're not doing that. And this playing him, sitting him, playing him, sitting him stuff is not beneficial to him at all, at all. And it's not beneficial to the team. I mean, if we're we're not going back to the point where we're complaining about them not going to get a solid designated hitter so you don't have to have Andrew Vaughn at the major league level. So since you're doing that part where you're having a guy who hadn't pitched or played past a ball come up to the majors, cool. Let him play as much as you can. Because if you're trying to develop and trying to make this player the hitter that you think he is, you have to commit to it. And it's just so frustrating. Like, it's I think it might be a miscommunication or a, uh, a thing where Tony doesn't want to play him. Rick is like, hey, you got to play him. It's the, the money ball thing. So Tony's trying to win and he sees that Andrew, Andrew Vaughn's not ready. Yeah, man, that's why it's it's frustrating. I, I saw that narrative a lot. Like, you know, Tony's here to win ball games, and I and I understand that completely. But also, it's like you can't, you know, for the, I I don't even know how you handle it. Like for the good of the organization, like you said, it's not doing these guys. You know, Zach Collins is at least out there playing. You know, but Andrew Vaughn's not playing enough to actually, you know, be able to take that next step. So at what point do you just say, all right, let's trade him then? Because if Tony's here trying to win and you're trying to go all in, just trade him then. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I don't understand because you're, you're hurting his value by not playing him. So you might as well trade him now and get some help out there, build out some depth on this roster. Because if this is going to be a problem all year, and if, you know, if Andrew Vaughn is all of a sudden going to, you know, instill confidence in Tony La Russa, you know, by playing, you know, three times a week, like, I don't know how that's, that's going to happen. Like, he's not that advanced at the major league level where he can just go for long stints of not playing and just show up and rake. You know what I mean? Like, he's only, he hasn't even played above A ball. It's almost as if we saw this coming, Herb. Maybe not this exact route to get there, but it, this is much, this is a different out, like, this outcome's the same, but the route to get there is a little bit different with Tony. But, um, you know, there, there are some uh, good things. Let's get to them real quick before we get to the mailbag in the next segment here. You said it, you alluded to it earlier, man. Michael Kopech. Whenever he comes into the game, and this this is why this game sucks today too, because you lost your game where you had Kopech 
and crochet in there. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you're probably not going to see them again until the end of this Indian series, which is, you know, which which also stinks. So the starters are going to have to go deep. Um, Carlos Rodon going today uh, against the Cleveland. But, you know, Michael Kopech, man, goes two and a third, gives up nothing, strikes out three. His earn run average on the season is still zero, buddy, zero. So he's just been awesome, man. And, I, you know, whenever he comes in, I, I just I love it, man. He just, he's in total control right now. And all the pitches he's locating with, you know, almost 100% accuracy. And he even got that ground ball to end the inning, to end the threat there. Didn't try to do too much. He just It's it's just a, a pleasure to watch him out there on the bump right now. Yeah, he's doing great things on the mound. And you could see the confidence is there. He knows his pitches are awesome. He knows that these guys cannot put a bat onto ball. And he just goes out there and deals. Um, I'm very, very confident that by the end of this year, he'll be in the starting rotation. There's no reason why he shouldn't be. Build him up. Because these guys are not seeing him. And I know there's people out there is like, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. But you put your best pitchers out there as starters, I think. And you give him the reward of being a champion since three uh, appearances so far in the early 2021 season. But yeah, whenever I see him, it's like, well, it's been good for the other team. And I hope they enjoyed the hits they had because here's coming some frustrating at bats. I would not want to have a bat with Michael Kopech out there. He's got pinpoint control. He's got 90-plus fastball. The slider looks filthy. He's just in control like we thought he would be eventually. But I don't know. This two years off, the getting his mind right, getting his body right, getting his arm right, because remember, he was hurt. He had a Tommy John surgery. That's one of the reasons why he was out. Has been a kind of a godsend, maybe a blessing in disguise. He is dominant in these starts, and no one's hitting him. These are Major League Baseball players, and I know some people are like, it's Mariners, it's the Royals. Nah, I don't no, care. No, and everybody else is hitting. I mean, hell, <laughs> Dylan Seas was getting hit around. He was walking people. Same thing for uh, other people in the lineup. This man, Liam Hendricks, this man came in the game. It's like, all right, I'm here for two innings and a third. You guys are getting zero, okay? And they're like, yeah, we'll accept it. That's what we're here for. Yeah, I don't think you're going to see him start, start. Like, you may see him as an opener, but I don't think this season, I don't think they're going to be able to ramp him up that much to go from, like, what he's at, like, just over two, almost three innings, like a crack each time he goes out there now. Mm-hmm. You know, not, you know, hasn't, hasn't, you know, eclipsed three. But I, I just don't think, like, maybe to, to see hitting five innings at the absolute maximum, like, at the by the end of the year, that could be feasible. But I think not as, like, okay, you're going as deep as you can in this ball game. I think maybe an opener, I think, is more realistic there. Um, but moving on quickly, uh, concern for Liam Hendricks, what do we think? I mean, that, that pitch that he threw to Santana was, was decent, you know, but that's a professional hitter out there yeah. from the left-handed side who's killed the White Sox for a lot of years. So what's our of, – of course he comes on and blows the save today, but what's our concern level uh, for Liam Hendricks? Uh, mine out of 10 is probably a 6. Um, you're going to blow some saves. It's yeah. going to happen, as any closer does. But – with the Oakland A's, I think last year he only blew two. And this is early in the season, and he hasn't looked great. The Anaheim save situation, I know it was a big-time lead when he got the ball in the night and when he resumed in the ninth inning. And so giving up that home run to Otani is not that big of a deal, but it was a rocket. It was crushed. And this ball was crushed opposite field, the left center field. So 
I am not too sure that Liam Hendricks has the confidence that he says he had before he signed with the White Sox or when he signed with the White Sox. His pitches are decent. He struck out two in his inning. Uh, it was out there, but uh, I'm just very concerned with um, that's our closer. We're going to need one out. I mean, one run wins. And when we put him in, it should be like, okay, game's over. The same feeling we have with Michael Kopech. He, Liam Hendricks is not some guy who's just a good closer. He was the reliever of the year last year. And this is why, for people who don't like to pay big-time closers money, this might be the reason why you don't do it. Because when he does fail, what other value does he have for you? Yeah, this I'm, is this is this is the reason you pay big time money. You don't have other players because you paid him big time money. If you would have those other time other players, they can at least contribute to you on defense when they're not contributing on offense. This is his only gig, so he has to come through. And I think he will ultimately. But you know, one thing we I don't think we talked about it during the off season as, as this being a, a possibility, like what if, what if he's not as good as, as advertised? I think we were so busy thinking about, okay, these team, this team's going to have its share of leads going into the ninth inning. We, you know, we did not envision a scenario where you're playing the, the first week of the season without TA and without Eloy for out for the, basically the entire season. So we didn't know this information then, but when now they're truly operating on a razor thin line margin. So when you, when your closer is not, 100% every single time and he's not lights out then you really got some problems there so I, I think he'll because the stuff I saw was good today I don't have a lot of area of concern now my area of concern is like getting him out there enough where he's like in that rhythm you know because out there in the in the AL West he was out there enough and Oakland was a good team but now when this team is really trying to find its bearings here in the early going you worry about him being thrown out of rhythm and we got some clarity on the whole, when do you use Liam Hendricks in a ball game? When Rick Hahn spoke to the media ahead of the home opener on Thursday, you know they asked about Tony's usage of him without asking him really. And you know Liam Hendricks said to Rick Hahn that he believes he's an outgetter. He's not a closer. He's an outgetter. So Liam Hendricks is totally for being used anytime in the ball game where the uh, where the leverage is high. Obviously, Rick Hahn agrees with that. That's why he brought him here. But yet, Tony is going to seemingly continue pitch him in the ninth inning only. And I'm not saying there was a point in today where he could have been used, but we saw in that that Seattle series where there was a point where it could have he could have been used, and he ends up doing mop up work after the game's already out of hand in the ninth inning. So that's something to follow. And uh, Rick Hahn was asked about it, so we'll keep an eye on that uh, as the season progresses. So uh, when we come back after a quick timeout, we will open up the bag here on Locked On. On White Sox. Locked on White Sox is brought to you by our friends at Bet Online. Bet Online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Football's over, baseball's just getting going here. You still got the NBA going, lots of good opportunities to make some money in the NHL as well, every single night at Bet Online. As a matter of fact, Herbie, Bet Online even covers award shows, TV shows, reality TV, and other types of entertainment. Yeah, I'm looking right now at the Hot dog eating contest. BetOnline.ag has an entertainment section for the competitive eating. Right now, they have a bet up for Joey Chestnut eating over or under 74 and a half <laughs> hot dogs in the hot dog eating contest. Whew, friends. Um, I, I love that. Do, should we do some more research on that one before? We... I mean, I mean, I know his records like in the 70s, yeah. but he's getting older. 
Like I think he he got his seventy five is the last year's um, hot dog eating championship. So he's got that record already. I don't know if there's impetus. He keeps on breaking his own record. I don't know if there's impetus for him to keep on doing it because here's no one close to him. So he's battling against himself to eat 75 hot dogs in one sitting is ridiculous. So I'm going under on that one. I'm going under for Joey Chestnut, 74 and a half hot dogs in the hot dog eating contest. Oh, boy. Yeah, I'll have to do some more research here before I make my decision and plunk my money down at betonline.ag. But they've got everything. You can bet on uh, who's going to win the 2024 election already. You can place a futures bet on that. If you're into the markets, you can bet on how well or how poor the market's going to do on a daily basis. There's a lot of interesting things and lots of different ways to make money at betonline.ag. The odds are updated in real time, and there's props on almost anything you can imagine, as I just said. It's got you covered for the news, scores, and odds, and BetOnline is the best way to place your bets, and it's free to sign up, best of all. So head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today, and you'll receive a 50% welcome bonus for your first deposit. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts, and do not forget our promo code locked on when you sign up and get your 50% bonus at Bet Online. Get all the sports news you need in under 20 minutes with the Locked On Today podcast. Host Peter Bukowski updates you on the latest news in every major sport with the help of our local experts. Follow the Locked On Today podcast on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. It's been a while, Herb. We've got voicemails. we got emails. Should we open up that bag? Let's do it. A lot of emails. We're going to try to get to some. There's another email. I love email. Oh, uh, we got some snail mail today, Herbie. How can the good folks, the Locked On White Sox listeners, get us an email to be read on this very program? And don't forget, folks, if you've got an email about something that happened in a game, a specific thing that we may not get a chance to get around to, send us an email and we'll we'll carve out some time every day to read an email if it's good enough. So how can they do that, Herb? LockedOnSox at gmail.com. If you want to write us an email, it is at LockedOnSox at gmail.com. All right, here, uh, I'm going to have to pare it down a little bit because we spent a little too much time dwelling on that bad loss, but there's certainly some big-picture issues we needed to discuss, So, especially after a busy weekend. Uh, even just one game, it's, you can call it a busy weekend. But first one checking in, this is uh, Chris. He says, Tabby and Herb. Thanks, Siri, for that. He means <laughs> Tanny. Uh, I know it's 162 games this year, but hear me out on this, worth, on this worthwhile panic for the White Sox. Mercedes is more than replacing Eloy's production, right? But the league will figure out your mean and Zach and Vaughn for that matter. So we have like two to three, a two to three week window that's closing soon. We already lost two, maybe three games that were winnable. So I hope we play with urgency so we don't look back in September and say, damn, am I crazy? That's Chris from Hermosa. Thank you, Chris. What do you think, Herb? Is it too early to fire that panic button? Absolutely not. This, I mean, see, I say at any time it is, but also I understand people will say you have plenty of time because if you look at the standings right now, I think the White Sox are a game and a half behind the uh, Cleveland Indians. So by the time of Tuesday night and the game's over, the White Sox could be back in first place. I mean, I think this same type of scenario happened last year, but like we always say, these games count and losing to the Royals is shitty and losing to the Mariners is terrible. Um, We took, we split the series with Kansas City Royals. I don't think that should ever happen. Their team is not good. They started a lefty and Mike Miner should have knocked him out of the box. Did not. 
He only went four innings and didn't take advantage of the bullpen out there. So, yeah, you should be frustrated. You should be hitting like, okay, things are continuing from last year. Things are continuing a theme from this year. So, yeah, maybe you should be a little worried about uh, what the White Sox are and what they're doing and they continue to do. Um, So I won't tell you to not hit it, but. And I wouldn't argue with the people who say it's still early and you have room to make up. But, yeah, be mad at these losses individually. Yes, 100%. Yeah, man, when you keep seeing things like bad defense, bad situational hitting, um, bullpen coming in, you know, one of your strength all of a sudden goes a 180 on you and all of a sudden it's not a strength. I think, yeah, you, it's fair to panic, but there's so many more games left to think, to get this thing right, you know. And a good series versus Cleveland maybe has this team going in the in the other direction. You know, maybe they feel good about themselves and they clean things up and, you know, they kind of take a deep breath there, you know. But I, I, I agree with you. I would not say to anyone, like, don't panic yet. But you guys know, like, look at the standings right now. There's teams all over the place that are kind of topsy turvy. This thing, you know what I mean? So it's very early. So I will say that. Well, let's let's see how we do. Uh, we, me and the mouse in my pocket against Cleveland uh, later on tonight, and we'll of course have the uh, post game. We'll we'll talk more about that later. But uh, next one we've been sitting on for quite a while. Uh, this is from someone named B uh, Mac. Uh, B Mac asks this: I have an off the beat question for when Eloy Jimenez returns. In what fashion would you get rid of Eloy's glove? If you recall, in 2017, the Astros held a funeral for Carlos Beltran's glove <laughs> as Beltran's defense had passed the point of liability. Would you have Eloy's glove drawn and quartered, cremated, buried at sea, shot out of a cannon, a.k.a. Hunter S. Thompson? I feel the possibilities are endless here. Thank you for your hard work on the podcast. Thank you, BMAC, whoever you are. Um, no, mystery caller. Mystery caller. Yeah, who, it's a mystery caller. Oh, of course, that's our buddy Brendan. Uh, before we get to that, we booked our Airbnb for Pittsburgh uh, with our buddy Brendan. So I'm looking, that's the one good thing that happened. Uh, White Sox related this week, I was in the home opener, is we have our place in Pittsburgh for that road trip there, June 22nd and 23rd. So I'm excited about that. Yeah, but what should the Sox do with Eloy's glove when it comes back? Do you have any uh, any favorite death methods? Yes. I mean, have you ever seen the movie uh, Law Abiding Citizen? I have not, but I heard it's a good one. Is that uh, is that Jamie Foxx and Gerard Butler? Correct. Okay, yeah. One of the main um, plots in this is that he... Spoiler alert. Okay, he <laughs> kills a guy who killed his family um, by, you know, just chopping up his legs and taking off uh, certain parts with uh, tin snips and such like that. I think that's what we have, like a surgical thing about Eloy's gloves like we took off the laces with with pliers and we butchered the the insta the inseam with something else and when we tortured the 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 glove and the uh the hand I don't know what that's called the hand opening thing with a fire torch just torture his glove until it gives up and dies and make him look at it the whole time you keep a like a, a clockwork orange uh, type of thing on Eloy. There you go. I like that. So he could just like, oh, my glove. And he just goes through the go and sees like you have no more glove. Just your red gloves. That's it. That's all you need. 
Um, you know, it's, it's a good question. And I'm thinking about, uh, you know, uh, best dying uh, methods. Um, maybe you just have the glove, uh, you know, s- you know, sit in a car and, and just run the car in a garage and shut the garage door. <laughs> um, maybe you could do that. Um, or, you know, I like, uh, you know, B-Mac, if you remember on the, the Sopranos when, uh, when you know, spoiler alert here, uh, <laughs> no, uh, oh, okay. uh, when, uh, when, when fat Dom, uh, came over from, from New York and was, was talking shit to the boys at, at, uh, at Satriales about, about Vito, uh, you know, they got into a little dust up and fat Dom, uh, had to, had to be uh, put away. He had to be, he, had, he was done with, he, he was murdered, uh, and not set on fire while celebrating his birthday, but he was, uh, he was killed in the back of, of the pork store. And, uh, if they 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 go and they start one of the season, one of the episodes in the late season, uh, they they show Carlo Gervaisi uh, go to what is presumably his uh, his summer home out on the shore, but it's the dead of winter, and you see him go and retrieve the frozen head of Fat Dom, and he packs up the frozen head in a bowling ball bag, and then he dumps the frozen head into you know uh, a, you know a, a hole basically on some construction site in some other jurisdiction. So they're they're trying to mask the time of death on the body, and you you, you know no body you know. Uh, no murder, so they're getting rid of the head of the body. So maybe you take uh, each of the fingers from Yuho's glove. Maybe you take the wet, you know, the webbing out of there, and you do something different with it and dispose it of different places, so it can't be re- reanimated and traced back to you. You know, just get rid of it forever. You know, uh, but yeah, it's certainly a worthwhile question, B Mac, and it's something we could spend a whole episode talking about. But yeah, uh, absolutely, no, no more glove uh, for Eloy. We got a lot of good ones here. Maybe we'll get to them tomorrow, and which we're going to talk about tomorrow's show and what we have coming up the rest of this week next on Locked on White Sox. This episode of Locked on White Sox is brought to you by our friends at Built Bar. Built Bar, it's the best tasting protein bar ever. I've been telling you guys about Built Bar on this show for quite a while now, and I got to tell you, they've done wonders for me in my personal life. See, I gave up sweets and sugars and candies and cookies about a couple months back and I've been using built bars to supplement those cravings because let's face it for people like me I'm never going to totally kick the sweet cravings they've gone down considerably since giving up those bad foods but I've been supplementing with built bars and they've really helped me keep me on track with my I don't want to call it a diet, but sort of like a lifestyle change. I've lost about 10 pounds over the past, you know, month and a half or so. Just, you know, eating the same foods I normally eat, but instead of those cookies and cakes and milkshakes, I just switch those out for built bars. And I'll sometimes have two built bars a day. I'll keep one in my desk at work, as I said before on the show. For the three o'clock hour or so, you need that little energy boost, right? So I keep one there at work, and then I have one after my dinner for a nice sweet dessert. And, you know, my favorite flavors coconut always right up there the german chocolate i think is really becoming my favorite flavor as well i just placed my latest order for my newest batch of built bars my 24 pack of built bars Uh, i ordered my favorites coconut i ordered cookies and cream which is another new one i tried when i ordered my last batch and it's really good the cookies and cream, by the way, 17 grams of protein and only 130 calories. And I also am trying out a couple new flavors. I'm trying out salted caramel and peanut butter brownie. So I'm looking forward to those. Peanut butter brownie by far has the most grams of protein in the built Bars. 19 grams of protein, so that will really fill you up with only 5 grams of sugar. 
do what I did. Go to BuiltBar.com and use our promo code LOCKED15, and that's going to get you 15% off your next order at BuiltBar.com. That's BuiltBar.com. LOCKED15 is the promo code. So important. I've ordered before, and I forgot to put in our own promo code, so don't be like me. Be smarter than me, would you? Go to BuiltBar.com now. Enter promo code LOCKED15. Built Bar, it's the best-tasting protein bar ever. Be a waiver wire winner with the Locked On Fantasy Baseball Podcast. It's a daily fantasy baseball podcast hosted by veteran fantasy analyst Scott Cullen, who uses data and nearly two decades of fantasy baseball experience to offer the strategies and waiver wire pickups that lead to league wins. Follow Locked On Fantasy Baseball on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, big week for the Sox this week. We start our calendar week, of course, with the Mailbag Monday today and the weekend recap, but uh, at midnight... Hopefully, if the game's over, I don't want to jinx it here, but Tuesday morning, tomorrow at midnight, we will have the recap from game one of Sox versus Cleveland. It's uh, Tristan McKenzie making his first start of the year for the Indians. This is the first time they needed their fifth starter. The kid's nasty, man. We saw him a little bit last year. He's got some good stuff. It's going to be a problematic matchup, I think, for the White Sox. A good right-handed starter. Nasty stuff. He's going up against Carlos Rodon, who's looking to build off of that last start of the year where... He got the win in Seattle, and he looked good doing it. So a big one here early for the Sox. Yeah, all I, I mean, all I'm uh, looking forward to is the White Sox getting back to their hitting ways. I mean, Tristan McKenzie's going to be tough, and we know what the, you got out there in the bullpen with the uh, Indians. I hope James Karinchek comes, comes in the game, and you give him a shot in the ass because <laughs> he doesn't want one for the uh, COVID. So oh, really? Ass. Oh, my God, he's one of those guys, yeah. I mean, it's always with these windy and pitchers. They just out here thinking this thing is a joke. You think it's a game? No, it's not a game. <laughs> they not want, a game. Not the game that I died for. Yeah, um, they want to. So, they want to have their COVID cake and eat it too. Like they want to have the loose restrictions, but also not get the shot. So yeah, that's you know, doesn't surprise me there. But you know, the Sox said that they were to get, able to get most of their traveling staff vaccinated, and they actually yeah. had some of the older players convincing some of the younger players to get it. So encouraging leadership. So now they are going to get their their uh, enhancements uh, on the road. They're going to be able to have their privileges on the road so congratulations to them isn't that great yeah you like why wouldn't you want to have something that's been proven something that's been tested something that's been uh run through the coals and giving you a better shot at life and everybody else around you to have this uh have this shot in your arm i mean it would be much better for everybody involved i don't know why players and people think they're smarter than scientists and doctors and nurses so that's a time. It's a story as old as time that people think they're smarter than other people who specialize in these spe- specific uh, fields. But I hope we crush um, James Karinchek. I hope that Tristan McKenzie gets rushed too, even though he's a seems like a good young kid. Uh, and and uh, the Indians first place right now. It's not surprising. You said, "Hey, you guys are like myself are just counting the Indians big time," and you're like, "Hey, the Indians are going to be there." The Indians are the are sneaky, and they still will pitch. And this year, they're hitting a little bit too. And the Royals look like they're a team that could be there. You know, I don't know if this can, can sustain over 162, but they've got good arms in that bullpen, and they play good situational baseball. I think their starting pitching is where they'll suffer. The Sox definitely should have gotten to Mike Miner today uh, or yesterday without any question. But, yeah, man, the Central is going to be tough, and uh, it's important to make a statement here, I think, early. Because I said – 
this division will be determined by who plays best against you know Minnesota and Cleveland because for the most part everyone's going to beat up on those bottom feeders, but the head to head and with those three teams is going to be crucial. Let's end on a positive note. Let's 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 let's, 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 let's open up the voicemail here and mm. uh, check in with one of our familiar friends, gentlemen. Zach Byrne, we're seeing Wisconsin. Wow. Love the podcast. Love Lance Lynn. I love the fact that he let a perfect game go because he just didn't feel like running to first. He didn't need that on his accolades. But that guy is quickly becoming my favorite Chicago athlete. And, yes, I said athlete. Go Sox. Let's live in that time forever of Lance Lynn with a complete game on opening day. Uh, that, that's that's uh, that's the positive energy we need going in and get this Cleveland series. Complete games for everybody. You get a complete game. You get a complete game. Yeah, that, I, I just thought that was, that was funny there, just thinking about Lance Lynn made me smile and his, his Ric Flair woo after the final out there. So they, the, the lone uh, bright spot on the homestand so far with only two day, two games, but uh, it was the highest of highs and lowest of lows with, with, the, uh, with the Royals. So, yeah, man, we'll be back Tuesday morning recapping that. First game of the Sox and Indians, Tristan McKenzie versus Carlos Rodon. So what do we think here, Herbie? What is this, a three-game set we have here? It's a four-game set. Four-game set. All right, so what are we setting the over-under? Two and a half? You going over or under victories for the White Sox? Under. Under. Ooh, that's a, that's that's not just a, a split that you sounded like under-under, like only winning one I mean, game. White Sox are playing terribly early in the year and the Cleveland Indians are the Cleveland Indians. Uh, no matter what, I think they're going to give the White Sox all they can handle. And without Timmy Anderson in the lineup, without Aloy in the lineup, it's going to be really tough to beat the Indians. I see us getting two games, two games. The split would be nice. I would, I would take a split. Absolutely. Of course, on Thursday, if, if we have a split and it's disappointing split where we could have got three out of four, I'm going to be mad, but yeah, if we take a split right here versus Cleveland, Cleveland Indians. I would be fine with it. Fine is the operative word. Yeah, I think they'll get a split as well. I just I worry about their path to victory may be limited now after burning through Crochet and Kopech in, in, in one ball game, you know. Um, and I know Crochet didn't pitch a lot yesterday, but I worry about his usage now going forward. Uh, and they didn't even get the win. That's what sucks. If you use both of those guys, you got to win that game. But they did not. But such is life. We'll be back tomorrow. That's all I got today, Herbie. That is Chris Tannehill. You can follow him on Twitter. It is at Chris Tannehill. My name is Herb Lawrence. Ecknerwall23 is the way you can follow me on Twitter. And Locked on Socks is where we're at on Twitter, on Instagram, and on YouTube. If you go there, subscribe. You might be a winner of a Locked on Socks prize pack. So let's get a win tonight. It's crucial we get a win versus Tristan McKenzie. It's crucial that the White Sox get back on the horse on a good, positive side, back to 500. Thank you for joining us on this episode of Locked On Socks.